Hey guys, before we get into the pod, um, I just got, I wanted to inform you guys that literally the second I ended the pod, all the notifications started flooding uh, my phone that Brunson is clearly indicating he wants to go to the Knicks and the Mavericks have effectively called off their meeting with him. Uh, Mark Stein's reporting it. It's going to be somewhere around, you know, what they projected earlier in the four year, 100 to $110 million range. So I talk a little bit in the pod about Brunson potentially staying, but for the most part, I look at it from the perspective that he's leaving because I really didn't think the meeting was going to affect much anyways, but unfortunate the Mavs never got to make that, you know, five for 20, 125 offer that Chris Haynes, you know, supposedly said could potentially sway Brunson, but it's really unfortunate, um, but didn't really expect it to change anything anyway. So just wanted to clarify that because I was, I record the pod right before that. So anyhow, yeah, it seems like it is clearly being indicated here that Jalen Brunson is going to sign with the Knicks as soon as free agency opens. I'm happy the Mavs were able to call off their meeting accordingly, though, because now they're not going to be stuck up meeting with Brunson. Hopefully can pursue other guys. So, yeah, um, I appreciate you guys um, hearing me out on that and enjoy the pod without further ado. Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavericks podcast. This is Will. Um, Jaron is not going to be joining us today. Um, he's currently working right now, but we will get back on later tonight. This is actually going to be a bonus pod, a little free agency precursor for you guys, um, especially with some of the news that's been dropping right now. We want to get a pod out before 5 o'clock um, Central Time. So first off, we'll obviously go over the Brunson news. Um, per, per multiple sources, Jalen Brunson is expected to sign a four-year 100 to 110 million dollar deal with the Knicks. That news broke, um, I believe, Tuesday night. Um, it was reported by Tim Cato and Mark Stein that it was nearly a certainty that Brunson is going to be signing with the Knicks. Mark Stein, Jake Fisher said that there's probably not much changing on that front in a Spotify Live that they hosted last night. Uh, Chris Haynes. And Tim McMahon put a dollar figure to it. They said it'd be anywhere from uh, Tim McMahon reported a little over 100 million. Um, Chris Haynes reported, I believe, around 110 million. This is pretty obvious with um, the way that this has been trending recently. It doesn't come as any shock to Mass fans, I suppose. We covered this situation extensively um in our last podcast so today we'll be getting into you know the mouse future ro uh, roster flexibility uh, with Brunson basically on the um, precipice of leaving here so um first of all um what actually came out last night was that Brunson's camp has sought out to get a meeting with the Mavericks Heat and Knicks, so they're making sure they meet with all three teams before, or his camp wants to meet with all three teams before, um, or I guess during the actual, when the moratorium period starts, um, which is going to be at 5 p.m. Central Time today on June 30th. My reaction to this, first off, I guess would be, as a lot of Mass fans on Twitter, that the that Brunson and his camp are trying to avoid tampering. Um, tampering is only actually 
effective um, and can be used to punish a team or player if it is filed against them. So barring the Mavericks or another team actually filing tampering against Brunson, um, he would not have any significant um, – there would be no consequences necessarily for him and the Knicks. But it appears that um, just with the outpour of news this came over the last few days um, in regards to an actual contract dollar figure before free agency is starting – it would make a lot of sense for Brunson and his camp to try and backtrack a little bit and to try and get some meetings with other teams to make it not seem like they're tampering um, as much and that they're actually going through the free agency process. Um, I guess how it should be. Obviously, everybody tampers, but it's, I guess, one of those things that you kind of are more so inclined to do behind closed doors. You know, I know that the Mavs executives or just league executives in general are supposedly have not been pleased with Brunson's um, camp and some of the Knicks brash showing up at the Mavs playoff games. I believe World Wide West, Leon Rose and Julius Randle were at one of the Mavericks versus Jazz playoff games sitting uh, courtside or I don't know if they were courtside, but they were at least at the game. I guess that not wasn't necessarily too keen to. Uh, the Mavericks front office. I personally don't see too big of an issue with it, but I can kind of understand where they're coming from. Um, obviously, we covered the Brunson situation extensively in terms of his relationships with um, Leon Rose, Nick's general manager. His son represents Brunson. Uh, he's his agent. And obviously his dad was hired as an assistant coach by the Knicks. From the reporting that I've seen um, from Mark Stein and Cato, it kind of seems as if Brunson's camp is swaying him in the, in the direction to basically sign with the Knicks. It doesn't really seem as much that there was really much the Mavs could do about it, but the Mavs are reportedly known for weeks. So it does raise questions as maybe the Mavericks, why they didn't use their trade exception if they've known about this Brunson thing for weeks that expired the other day. Um but that could simply have been because they couldn't find anybody to take into it um, and just did not have the assets to use it um, given they're pretty limited in terms of picks they can send out. And especially with the Stepien rule, the Mavs over there, 2023 first round pick to the Knicks via the Chris Porzingis deal for next year. So that could definitely be the reason why the Mavs couldn't find anybody for the trade exception. Nevertheless, though, it is still very unfortunate Brunson's leaving. And as we said in our Twitter, um, we still do earnestly believe. And in, as we said in the last podcast that with Brunson leaving, um, barring something unforeseen, like, you know, the Mavs um, actually being able to sway him in this meeting that they're going to be having um, in the early hours of free agency, uh, you know, it seems like he's going to be a Nick and we just kind of have all agreed upon me and Jaron that the Mavs off season has definitely been done off trajectory. Um, it doesn't mean that the team's going to be necessarily bad next year, but we believe that if Brunson stayed this free agency, the Mavs would have a lot more flexibility in terms of trades they could be doing in the coming months. And if Brunson stayed, um, 
we just don't believe that there's a world in the, that the Mavericks are going to be better coming out of this offseason with Brunson leaving versus him staying. So, you know, it is one of those things that the Mavericks definitely mismanaged in terms of the Donnie Nelson regime, not setting his contract up right to, you know, have him become this unrestricted free agent after year four. And, you know, you definitely could have, you definitely could obviously convince me that Nico Harrison not giving him the four for $55 million. Oh, I mean the four for $55 million contract extension at the beginning of, um, or I guess last summer, definitely um, serves as a reason that Brunson might be leaving right now, which is really unfortunate. But at the same time, based on Brunson's playoff performance after the Clipper series last year, I guess you can't necessarily like blame the Nico regime too much because it was definitely uncertain. Um, you know, how you play in the playoffs, especially with how poorly and how many minutes he didn't get when Rick Carlisle was still coaching here. You know, who knows what his ceiling would have been back then, but he obviously has stepped up and definitely become a extremely valuable second-best player on the Mavericks. Um, and I think by the time the Mavericks could have offered that extension in January, to which Rick Brunson reported to Tim McMahon that he – his son would have accepted. I believe it was too late by that point. Um, and I don't think the Mavericks wanted to insult Brunson because he had already outplayed the 455 by even January of this year. So um, the Mavericks brass is going to be going up to New York to meet with Brunson. This definitely scares me. Um, Chris Haynes did report that the Mavericks would have to offer five for 125 or somewhere in that vicinity at least that extra year and outpaying the Knicks annually for Brunson to even consider coming back to Dallas. And I don't even know the validity of that, um, but it definitely is concerning for me because Mark Cuban, Nico Harrison, um, Michael Finley, and supposedly maybe a player or two of the Mavericks, um, of the Mavericks roster. Uh, that is currently on the um, that's currently signed and under contract might be going up there. Maybe like Maxi Kleber. Obviously, it's not going to be Luca. He has FIBA stuff he's doing right now. Um, last time I checked, they were up big versus Croatia in the f- first quarter, so that's good for him. Him and Goran playing. So, my main concern is that the Mavs may m- miss out on some day one free agency targets with the taxpayer MLE or the veteran minimum that they could definitely go after. Um, amidst all this Brunson saga because they're trying to, just because his camp wanted to avoid tampering charges to get a meeting with the Mavs. Um, I feel like that's a really big concern for a lot of Mavericks fans, but we'll just have to see. I still feel feel like there's a slim to none possibility that Brunson actually re-signs with Dallas. And I do wish that he would just sign with the Knicks in the opening hours of free agency, but I suspect he might wait a lot a little while to clear the Knicks of any tampering um, complaints filed by other teams of the Mavericks. And that's the reason that he's doing this meeting. Um, also, possibilities start rumbling up of a potential sign-and-trade with the Mavericks and the Miami Heat if Brunson were to go to the Heat since his camp sought out a meeting with them. But I believe Tim Reynolds, if I'm correct, report today that the Heat have no interest in having a meeting with Brunson. Or, you know, just trying to bring him on at all. So 
with that being said, I think it's really between the Mavericks and Knicks, but basically just the Knicks, you know, there could be some last ditch DeAndre Jordan Clippers-esque thing that the Mavericks brass pulls pulls out of themselves to get Brunson back, but I honestly just don't re- uh, foresee it at this point. I feel like Brunson's camp and the relationships he has with New York are just um, – they're too much for the Mavericks to overcome at this juncture, and I feel like the Mavericks kind of already screwed up with the Donnie Nelson move and not being able to offer the extension back in January now. Those were maybe perceived as good moves at the time, but, you know, you're always evaluating GMs in hindsight. So definitely might be a mark on Nico Harrison's record, but it is unfortunate. It is what it is. Um, We have to evaluate this team from the Mavericks going forward from here without Brunson, unless something drastic changes in the coming hours. And that's just how it's going to have to be. But I still stand strong in my opinion that this is not something positive. This is indeed negative, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all for Luca potentially leaving in a couple years. I still feel like there's moves to be made, whether that be over this offseason or in coming offseasons or trade deadlines. But it does severely handicap the Mavericks for the time being. Um, And obviously what sort of put the knife in the coffin in terms of Mavericks fans' hope was – Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel being sent to the Pistons to be absorbed into their um, heinous amount of cap space, uh, along with two second-round picks to freely clear up the Knicks. Um, they did only needed to send one of Burks or Noel actually out to have enough cap space to sign Brunson to the desired 25 to $30 million that they're looking to sign him at. But they were able to get off both of them. I know there's rumblings of the Knicks – doing a sign and trade with Atlanta to get DeJounte Murray to pair in tandem with Brunson. That would have made me very disgruntled. Um, That would have just felt like just two punches in a row, just in terms of the Knicks. Cause I mean, let's be honest with them. You know, I don't necessarily hate the Knicks players, but their fan base and with their repeated um comments towards Mavs fans on social media regarding the KP trade and how this is like it's not over and how this Brunson thing came full cycle it's already um, definitely enough persecution for us Mavs fans that being said I definitely won't back off from any weird Knicks fans online I mean there's lots of good Knicks fans obviously but for any NBA fan base you know as well as Mavs there's lots of crazy Homer ones that We'll do anything just to try and anger you. So my advice to you guys on Twitter would just to be to kind of stay out of those conversations. It's really not worth it. They're delusional anyways. Um, but yeah, um, that obviously eliminated the Mavs or Mavericks possibility of getting a sign and trade with the Knicks or it technically didn't because apparently there's still some credence to the fact that the Mavs could threaten to file tampering against the Knicks and try and get something back like Evan Fournier in a sign and trade. Um, with the Brunson deal. I don't know how interested I particularly am in that as I feel like Evan Fournier is a copycat of Tim Hardaway Jr. So I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily too keen to that idea. But if, you know, a, something being returned for Brunson is better than nothing. So if the Mavericks could net something back from the Brunson trade, then I'd be more than happy, or in a, in a Brunson sign and trade, I'd be more than happy to 
get that back because losing Brunson for nothing as it seems like it currently is going to stand is going to be very harsh. And um, with that, we'll go ahead and segue into the Mavericks future roster flexibility with Jalen being gone and just sort of the ripple effects it could have in the future. Um, As it currently stands, if Jalen leaves, I believe the Mavericks are $7. million into the tax. So not too far down to the tax. Um, But, you know, barring them dumping a contract like Dwight Powell or something like that, they're only going to have access to the taxpayer MLE and not the full MLE because they're obviously still $7 million over the tra- uh, over the tax. So um, I saw some reports. I think I believe I want to say Mark Stein said something along the lines of the Mavs would have definitely looked to move THJ or Spencer Dinwiddie if Brunson were to re-sign, which would have obviously allowed us to maybe bring in a wing or just attach something like attach Josh Green to THJ or maybe a future second or just something that could net us some sort of positive value and help reshape the roster like really legitimately, especially if, especially if we added somebody with the taxpayer MLE. But obviously those assets um, being Spencer Dinwiddie and Tim Hardaway Jr. seem like the Mavericks are a lot more um, adamant about hanging on to those guys now um, just because of the sort of lack of um, – shot creating and playmaking, even though Tim Hardaway Jr. is not necessarily a good playmaker whatsoever. He is, he can, you know, create offense for himself to a certain extent. And with Brunson being gone, I think the Mavericks think that that is a area of importance that they need to hang on to those guys, at least for now, unless something, some sort of trade comes up that they could like seriously swing those guys for something that would actually be better than they are. Um, which they then, you know, if they were to say to move Tim Hardaway Jr. or Spencer Dinwiddie for a wing, you know, then, you know, you're even adding on more lack at playmaking and shot creating in terms of your depth. So Brunson leaving definitely handicaps the roster, at least until the Mavs are maybe able to flip some guys at the trade deadline, in my opinion, if, you know, you're able to refurbish some of, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s value, um, Dwight Powell's value, Davis Bertons. These are all guys on $16 million plus. Or Well, not Dwight Powell. I think he's on like a nine to $11 million. He's an expiring. But these are guys, the Mavericks, um, are going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to find trade partners for them because if they lose these sort of guys, um, they really just – they're they can kind of shape shift in terms of where they'd be adding on to like if they – lose Bertons. Well, not necessarily Bertons, but you know, if they lose Powell and they add a wing, you're losing a lot of big man depth at that point. You only have Christian Wood and Maxi Kleber, despite, you know, me not possibly being me not being the biggest fan of Dwight Powell in terms of his current fit with this Mavericks roster when you already get a dynamic roller like Christian Wood, especially when the Mavericks could need rim protection, you know, that doesn't mean that he should just be flipped for something that wouldn't help out that spot or be an upgrade at that center spot. So, you know, you could kind of shape shift and patch different holes, but you're creating new holes at the same time um, versus if Jalen stayed, um, you could definitely minimize some of the holes that are being created and you could add more depth on the wing. 
So that's kind of the bottom line. The Mavs are definitely limited in terms of what they can do this summer now. You know, best case scenario, we get somebody with the taxpayer MLE, hopefully sign a Goran Dragic, who is heavily rumored to possibly be coming to the Mavericks, whether that be on part of the taxpayer MLE or with the veteran minimum contract. I do not know, but he's playing with Luka in the FIBA World Qualifiers right now, and obviously they they have a great relationship. So hopefully this is finally the year that Goran comes, adds a little playmaking to that second unit for the Mavericks, especially with this Brunson move. I would project Spencer Dinwiddie or Tim Hardaway Jr. to start now. So Mavericks are definitely um, lacking a little playmaking in the back in the backcourt, and I think a Goran Dragic could really help this team. But that remains to be seen. I as everything's pointing in the direction of Dragic likely being available for the Mavericks to sign, though, and it seems like there's definitely some mutual interest as there has been for almost three years now. It seems so very hopeful for that. Um, I guess next up, we'll be going over some tentative free agent targets with a taxpayer MLE the Mavericks could look at from what I've seen recently. Most of these guys are going to be wings. Um, a lot of these guys have been reported to, you know, maybe the Mavericks have been interested in, interest in, but a lot of other teams have become front runners for them or they want to go back to their current teams. But it's kind of just the state we're in right now. Hopefully the Mavericks are able to sign one of these guys or trade for one of these guys just based on the, um, you know, having Luka Doncic. This is the first real offseason with Nico Harrison and Luka Doncic in full effect to see if the – and, you know, Luka has four years under his belt. You start to think that maybe some of this luck starts to finally swing into the Mavericks' direction in terms of Luka attracting players. But with this, you know, obviously with Jalen Brunson going to the New York Knicks um, reportedly – it almost seems like it's working in the opposite direction, which is quite unfortunate, but most of these guys are not playmakers who need the ball in their hands, who possibly want control of an offense. That's also a big reason why I think Brunson's probably leaving. So we'll go over these guys real quick. Um, first off, Gary Harris. He's been very under-talked about as of recent, which has surprised me. I think possibly due to the fact that he was on that Magic team. and just, But he's honestly at the top of my um, – free agent targets with the taxpayer MLE, especially if he, if he actually settles for that money. I, I do think he could honestly command a little bit more money, especially after sort of uh, refurbishing his career in Orlando this year, not to the degree that he was in like 2018 in Denver, but I believe he still caught, he still shot close to 40% in threes and he, that his defense got an uptick from what it's been since he's came off his injury the last couple of years. So that would definitely intrigue me a lot. Um, he's honestly, he's a bit a little bit younger than a couple of the guys on this list. Um, so I honestly am very keen to the idea of adding him if the Mavericks could give him the full taxpayer MLE if he if he would settle for that price. But I do think there's a chance that he could get somewhere beyond that or possibly even the full MLE. So but he's been definitely very under talked about. But I would love that addition to the team. He's maybe not as good of a defender as some of the guys on this list, but he's still definitely a real solid defender who can guard kind of who can guard twos and threes really well, sometimes even ones and, you know, just a stereotypical three and D player, but, you know, back in his Denver days, he showed a little bit of a pull up jump shot, a little bit of creation shot creation ability. That'd be really nice if he could get back to that, like whatsoever. So I'd really, he's at the top of my list for me. 
Gary Payton the second would definitely be second for me. Um, Gary Payton the second is or Gary Payton Jr. I'm <laughs> rather my bad. Um, he's an elite cutter. Obviously, I know the Warriors would love to bring him back if they possibly could. Um, but they're they're deep into luxury tax hell right now with the amount of guys that they're paying, and you know they want to bring back Otto Porter Jr. as well. He's another guy on this list, but I just really, you know, I think he'll command somewhere over the taxpayer MLE. So I don't even really want to butt an eye towards that. But Gary Payton Jr., um, he's 29 years old, elite defender, one through three, even though he's only about six three, he has a good wingspan, very athletic guy. Um, he doesn't really have the ne- necessarily the best shot at this stage in his career, which concerns me because, you know, he is already 29. Hence why I would probably take Gary Harris and his shooting over Gary Payton Jr. I think a lot of Mavs fans would actually prefer Gary Payton Jr. That's just my opinion. I do value shooting a lot around Luca, even if, you know, Gary Harris is definitely like a slightly worse defender than Gary Payton Jr. You know, he's still a good defender. But, I mean, that does not mean if, you know, the Mavericks could get Gary Payton Jr. He's second on this list for me in terms of guys I would target with the taxpayer MLE. And I'd love to have him just from the perspective of being able to come off the bench, defend one through three, provide, you know, a sort of cutting app option that the Mavericks really don't have besides Dorian Finney-Smith on, on occasion. And just honestly probably would be one of the best athletes on the team. So if the Mavericks could pull off a of Gary getting – Gary Payton Jr. I'd be really excited for that, but a lot of teams are interested. And, you know, there were reports that he's at the top. He's a top of the Mavericks, or I think Tim McMahon said he's a top of the Mavericks uh, targets with the taxpayer MLE. So if they could get him, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. The only guy, like I said, I'd want more would probably be Gary Harris. So, but it seems that the Warriors will try to keep him if they possibly can't afford him. And if not, I'm sure he'll have other suitors. So going to be tough to get him, but I would love that. Next up, there's rumblings that uh, well, Mo Bamba became an unrestricted free agent. Um, I believe Orlando um, gave him a qualifying offer, so he became an unrestricted free agent. So, um, with that being said, I would um, definitely love Mo Bamba to come in mm-hmm. as a backup rim protector that could, you know, develop behind Christian Wood and, you know, definitely not a guy that I would see starting next Christian Wood whatsoever right away. He still is pretty young. I believe he's only, I want to say like 23, 24. But, you know, there's still a lot of development, developmental issues with him. Um, he did start to shoot the three better, but he's still really slow defending in space. But obviously he's a legit seven-footer has an insane standing reach and wingspan and he would, you know, definitely be serviceable if he continues to add muscle in the weight room, you know, become more mobile and continue to, you know, utilize his God-given talents to protect the rim. Um, Mo Bamba could definitely be a center of the future for any team. Um, You know, I don't ever think he has like all-star potential, but he can definitely be a serviceable player in this league. Um in the next couple of years, but he seems to have like Chicago and Toronto are most likely the front run front runners to get him as reported. So if the Mavs could pull that off, you know, sign him to a minimum or, 
give him half of the taxpayer MLE. I'd definitely be thrilled to have him taking a flyer on him. I don't know how the rotation would work with the white pal at that point. Maybe look on being able to trade to white pal if at all possible, if the Mavericks were able to do that. But I definitely wouldn't want, wouldn't want to give Mo Bamba the full taxpayer MLE. I would definitely value a wing over getting just a chance at him developing within our system, but it's not something I'm totally out on. So that's interesting. Uh, there have been rumblings that the Mavs have, are connected to Matisse Thibault. He's still under contract, so it'd have to be in a trade. I think Philly's just trying to clear up some cap space and what have you. So that would be interesting. Um, you know, he's sort of like a supercharged version of Josh Green, great cutter, terrific defender, you know, all NBA defense type defender, especially if he's coming off your bench. I'd love that. Thibault is already 25. But, you know, if there's just any chance at him developing somewhat of a shot in the next couple of years, I mean, he could definitely easily start. I'd love to take a flyer on him. But I don't even know if the Mavs necessarily have the uh, assets to go get a guy like that right now because as currently stands, you know, I think the Mavs would have to chat. Um, they don't really have, like, any players equivalent in that range. So they couldn't just straight up trade for Thibault. The 76ers would have to send us some other salary back in return and we'd have to ship out, you know, some of our higher salary guys, such as Breton, such as Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, one of those dudes, you know, and potentially throwing like a Josh Green type. I think, you know, getting a Matisse Thibault definitely would make Josh Green sort of expendable at that point. So it'd be easier to use him in trades, but I just don't know really what the package would be to get Matisse Thibault. And I do not, I just, like, like I said, I would love to have him as a wing off the bench despite his um, lack of shooting and it being kind of horrendous. But if there's any chance of him developing a shot with his sort of the defense he plays, I'd be thrilled to have him. But with Brunson gone, I just don't know if the, ass, the Mavs have the assets to sort of go out and get a guy because I don't think it would just be Matisse Thibel in the train the, in the trade just as stands. The, the 76ers and the Mavs would have to figure a way, out a way to send more salary out between both of them. So that's very unfortunate. Um, but I do think he'd be a great fit. So on to the next guy, we have Derek Jones Jr. Um, he'll be a free agent, you know, coming off a decent season with the Bulls. Derek Jones Jr. still is, sent, is shooting only a little over 30% from three. He's a really long ragey defender, obviously insanely athletic. I definitely would not be opposed to having him off the bench, and he's a guy that I could legitimately see actually settling for the taxpayer MLE. I don't think he's his value is like above that or transcended the taxpayer MLE six point whatever two million dollar figure that it is. You know, guys like Gary Harris or Gary Payton Jr. I do think there's real credence to the fact that they could get more money than that. I do think Derek Jones Jr. is attainable, but. Um, let me look up his age real quick just to confirm this. One second. So he's only 25, actually. And, you know, he's a seven-foot wingspan, 6'6", insanely athletic. And I would love to have him as a long-rangey wing to come off the bench. You know, I think Derek Jones Jr. is definitely a great, help defend defender. I mean, he can, he can defend guys smaller than him because of his insane length, but he does have some issues in terms of 
not being the strongest guy. So he, he can get bodied on occasion. So he's definitely not a lockdown defender, but I would say he's a good defender and putting on some size in the weight room could definitely help with his, um, could definitely take his defense to the next level, but he would be a sort of project player as he has been on the water rosters for the last couple of years. Cause you know, his big things are just being able to be more consistent on his outside shot and, you know, being able to add a little strength uh, defensively because that would do wonders for the uh, type of player he could be. I mean, he'd be a rangy, long, ath- extremely athletic wing with, you know, great 3 and D capabilities. But right now he kind of only has the really athletic wing label. So I would not be opposed to taking a flyer on him. Um, he's definitely, like, not near as high on this list as some of the other guys. But if other guys are off the board, let's say the Mavericks really just blow it, and spend the first day of free agency and in this meeting with Brunson and neglect to really do anything else or keep tabs on any of the free agent other on any of the other free agents, I would definitely not be opposed to Derek Jones Jr. coming to the Mavericks um, at the right price, for instance, you know, take a flyer on him. Why not? Because obviously the Mavericks almost got Goran Dragic and Derek Jones Jr. Both guys we talked about in this podcast. Um a couple years ago in that trade, but then obviously it, there was confusion around that whole package, so that never went, ended up going down, but that was really funny, and I would definitely welcome Derek Jones Jr. to the Mavs. Um, and just some, like, you know, general free agency news. Um, as we covered earlier, DeJounte Murray got sent to the Atlanta Hawks to pair up with Trey Young, and all they gave up was Danilo, Danilo Gallinari, a 2023 first-round pick, a 2025 first-round pick, a 2027 first-round pick, and a um, 2026 pick swap. So kind of a hefty package for Murray in terms of future assets for the Spurs. Shows they are going into full rebuilding mood, uh, full rebuilding mode, which is good for the Mavericks in terms of them being in our division and us usually having to play them four times a year. But, um, you know, the Hawks, they're making a lot of moves out there. We still have yet to be seen if they're going to do anything with John Collins. You know, the Hawks did have a little bit of a down year last last year. But, I mean, that team is incredibly deep now with adding DeJounte Murray. And in terms of, like, you know, while they did give up a lot of future assets, and I think San Antonio did indeed net fair return. I mean, all they gave up on their current roster is Gallinari, who's likely going to get waived and – um who I think actually did get waived today by the Spurs or is going to get waived and will be available on the open market as a free agent. So, you know, Gallinari, not necessarily a guy I think the match should be prioritizing, especially since they have a somewhat similar version of him, you know, minus the shot creation ability and Davis Burton's off the bench. But, hey, you never know. Um, but, yeah, I guess those are just some of the sort of ripple effects from that. But, I, you know, I do expect the Hawks to be very good next year, especially since DeAndre Hunter um, – Trey Young, I mean, I feel like a lot of – I know Capella and Okongwu rotating at the big minutes because they were – they just had a lot of injuries last year. So – but I think they're incredibly deep this year, and I would not be shocked to see them at the top of the Eastern Conference again, especially with a move like this. That's a – you know, that rivals the Warriors for the best backcourt in the league, in my opinion. So props to them for that. I'm just happy the Knicks didn't get DeJounte Murray. And obviously it would be a complete failure of me to not address the – Kevin Durant news that came out um, honestly only about an hour or two ago. And Kevin Durant has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. This was very shocking to me. 
I did not expect this whatsoever, um, especially with Kyrie op- opting into his player option. You know, maybe I expected this a little bit down the line this summer, but right before free agency, it definitely threw a lot of things off. And, you know, I think, you know, from a Mavs angle, this is definitely a positive just from the perspective that when, you know, you see a player that gets shipped off like that, um, a lot of other teams have to make trades in terms of just the ripple effects that come with a huge trade like that. And three team, four team trades are always a possibility. So um, it's very exciting to see the movement in the league. I don't know if this necessarily affects the Mavericks at all or anything. Uh, obviously, Mavs fans on Twitter are basically, you know, they're like, a, they are um, definitely eager to try and get in the Kevin Durant conversation or Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving conversation. I know Evan Massey, who, has not necessarily been the most credible reporter for the Mavs are like heavily interested in Kyrie Irving to which we, I responded on Twitter with, okay, LOL. <laughs> but um, I just don't know how feasible this is all going to be with Kevin Durant being on the move. Um, I don't think the Mavs really have any realistic shot or assets whatsoever to get either of those guys, especially with Brunson leaving, but the ripple effects that could result from it. I could definitely see the Mavs getting into that for sure. Um, right now, Kevin Durant's top two teams at, he is going that he is targeted are the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat. So we'll just have to see how that all plays out, but it's definitely very intriguing. And this is why, you know, a lot of people hashtag this league on Twitter all the time because, you know, the offseason movement in the NBA is second to none, in my opinion, in terms of other sports and what have you. And, it, um, you know, despite it, you know, kind of getting extremely amplified in recent years in terms of player movement. It is really fun for the sport. And it's part of the reason I do this. You know, I obviously love covering the Mavericks in person. I mean, not in person, but just like during the regular season and what have you. But, you know, there's no time like the off season, as they say, it's really fun to record all the player movement and just see what all goes down. It's really fun to see the ripple effects of everything. So, you know, there was definitely exciting to see uh see durant requested a trade even if i necessarily don't agree with his you know sentiments of trying to leave everywhere he goes but you know it's definitely exciting for the league and lastly it actually came out about an hour ago that wancho hernan gomez aka bo cruz in the new movie hustle on netflix definitely need to go check that out if you haven't yet is has been weighed by the jazz and um and it is going to be very intriguing to see where he ends up, especially given that he is um, good friends with Luca. And, you know, if the Mavs are left with no other kind of guys to go after, um, come then free agency, why not bring in Juancho on a, on a minimum deal? That'd be very cool. So, yeah, that's going to basically um, wrap up the pod. Um, as the Lockdown Mavs say, Juancho, Hernan, go Mavs. And, I will see you guys later. We'll def- we'll be back on tonight to get more ex- extensive into what happened in the first couple hours of free agency um, tonight. Me and Jaron both will be back on, but I just want to cover some quick news and give you guys a little free agency precursor pod um, that you can listen to if you get a chance. All right, y'all have a good one.